The circus performer had finally made it back to his home country. It was remarkable that he had made it home at all. Not only was he penniless, homeless, and sick, but his appearance caused fright to almost everyone who looked at him. Stepping off the train, he suddenly realized that he had no way of contacting anyone for help. He felt despair sink in as he huddled into a corner, hoping to get some sleep and forget his troubles, if only for a few hours. The police arrived and began to question him. Who are you? Where are you going? The question suddenly made the performer remember. The card. The name on the card in his pocket. Virtuous Men, a podcast devoted to sharing the lives of men of history, fiction, and today, and the virtues they personify. Welcome to Episode 7 of our mini-pod series, The Friendship of Sir Frederick Treves and Joseph Merrick. A virtue is a behavior one conforms to in order to achieve a moral and ethically principled life through action. A virtuous man is one who is well aware of how he falls short, yet chooses not to allow his flaws to define him as he seeks to better himself. Such men show that it is possible to overcome the things that keep us from achieving our destinies. Though each man is flawed and imperfect, it is in the lives of flawed men that we see the possibility for virtue in our own lives. This episode's virtue is friendship. Friendship is a close bond with another person that is less than a romance and more than an acquaintance. There are many layers to friendship. A man may confide deeply in one friend and talk about nothing deeper than a shared interest with another. However deep a friendship goes, there remains an unspoken understanding that the other person adds value to the other's life, that the person is a blessing not to be taken for granted. Though many friendships fade away, there are those that stand the test of time. Such was the case with the friendship between Sir Frederick Treves and Joseph Merrick. The two men could not have been more different, yet their bond left a legacy that quietly lives on to this day. Friendship, love, generosity, compassion, kindness. These were not things Joseph Merrick had seen much of in his young life. Born in 1862 in Leicester, England, life was normal for the first few years. But suddenly, his body seemed to turn against him. He began to develop severe deformities all across his body, and his skin began to grow thick and spongy. His head swelled to almost three feet in diameter, and his right arm and feet began to expand dramatically. Due to the deformities spreading to his face, he was unable to speak clearly or show normal facial expressions. As if to make matters worse, a hip injury left him unable to walk without the aid of a cane. His mother passed away when he was nine, and his father remarried. Merrick later described her as cruel and taunting. It was sometimes so bad that Merrick chose to remain outside in the streets rather than go home. He worked at a cigar rolling factory for two years, but his deformed right hand made it too difficult to keep up. His father tried to help him find work as a door-to-door -door salesman, but his appearance was too frightful for this line of work to continue. Eventually, in 1879, Merrick's father and stepmother told him to leave, as they could not cope with him any longer. He was 17 years old. 
His uncle Charles took him in for a brief period, but Charles eventually could not support him financially. Merrick ended up in the Leicester Union workhouse, where he remained for four years. He eventually left the workhouse to join a traveling freak show to display his deformities to the public. Freak shows were a popular form of entertainment in Victorian-era London society, and Merrick was an exceptional specimen. He was advertised as the Elephant Man, described as half-man, half-elephant, and, by one proprietor, as the most remarkable human being to draw the breath of life. Merrick had been put on display for private showings in the back of a shop in Whitechapel, which happened to be located near the London Hospital. Inside the hospital was the man who would eventually change Merrick's life forever. By this time, Frederick Treves was a prominent surgeon and anatomist. The son of an upholsterer, he studied at the London Hospital Medical College during the 1870s and was well-liked by those he interacted with. He was informed about Merrick and paid a shilling for a private viewing. Initially, Treves was as repulsed as any other by the very sight of this vision of humanity gone horribly wrong. But as a doctor and a man of science, he was also fascinated. With Merrick's permission, he would examine him three different times, taking measurements and photographs in an effort to determine what was the cause of Merrick's condition. Treves noted that, despite Merrick's appearance, he appeared to be in overall good health. Merrick eventually forbade examinations, claiming they made him feel like cattle at a market. Merrick returned to his life as a curiosity, but not after receiving a calling card from Treves. This would later prove to be a lifesaver. By this time, public tastes were changing toward freak shows, and they became outlawed in the United Kingdom in 1886. The UK police were becoming increasingly militant in closing down human curiosity shows, and Merrick eventually joined a traveling circus show. The show traveled all across continental Europe and eventually made its way to Brussels, Belgium. Merrick's manager had become wary of the possible negative attention his new charge drew. He eventually robbed and deserted Merrick, who once again found himself alone, penniless, and homeless. He eventually made it back to England, ending up at the Liverpool Street Station. In addition to his appearance causing fright, he had developed a bronchial infection that made him unable to ask others for help. The police showed up and found Merrick huddled in a corner with nothing but Treves' medical card to identify him. Treves was called. Upon arriving, he recognized Merrick and made arrangements to transport him to the London hospital. Merrick stayed at the hospital for the next five months, his health gradually improving. Though Treves understood that Merrick's condition was incurable and that his life expectancy was short, he also knew that there were challenges for covering his long-term care. Hospital funds and staff attention were running out for Merrick, but Treves could not simply let him back out onto the streets. He partnered with the hospital's director in an effort to either transfer Merrick to another hospital or to raise funds to keep him as a permanent resident. The Times published a public appeal outlining Merrick's plight, and the response was significant. Enough donations poured in that it became feasible to allow Merrick to remain a permanent resident at London Hospital. This was made official in December of 1886. Merrick was moved to two basement rooms next to the courtyard, which were furnished to suit Merrick's unique needs. For the first time in years, something like a normal life had finally come to Merrick. When he became a resident, Treves and Merrick became close friends. Treves came to understand Merrick's impaired way of speech and visited him daily. 
When he first met Merrick, he believed him to be mentally impaired, but as their relationship progressed, he saw that Merrick was a very intelligent, well-spoken, and sensitive man with a curiosity about life and the world. Treves arranged for one of his female friends, Miss Lila Maturin, to meet Merrick. Merrick was understandably nervous, as his appearance created a barrier between him and women for most of his life. The meeting was brief due to Merrick being so overcome with emotion. He often said that she was the first woman who ever smiled at him. Maturin and Merrick kept in touch, writing letters and sending gifts. He met various other women in his four years at the hospital and was captivated by all of them. Merrick even met Treve's wife when he made an arranged visit to Treve's home. This visit came about due to Merrick's desire to see the inside of a real house. Treves continued to give Merrick attention, care, and special arrangements in the last four years of his life. Merrick was an avid reader and even wrote some of his own poetry. He would also construct models out of card, the most impressive being a replica of Mines Cathedral. By this time, Merrick had attracted the attention of high society. Actress Madge Kendall raised funds and publicized sympathy for Merrick, even sending him photos of herself. Merrick left his cathedral model to her after his death. He received visits from prominent members of the upper class, to whom Merrick would write letters and send handmade gifts. One of the most notable of Merrick's visitors was Alexandra, Princess of Wales. She and the prince were visiting the hospital to open two new buildings, and she expressed a desire to meet Merrick. The royal party made their way to his room, and the princess shook his hand. Merrick was beside himself with joy. She gave him a signed picture of herself and sent him a Christmas card every year. Merrick's friend Madge Kendall was able to arrange for him to visit the theater, a desire Merrick had long held. Treves recalled that Merrick was awestruck, going on and on about the show for weeks. Treves also arranged for Merrick to visit the countryside on at least three occasions, where Merrick would roam the various estates and collect flowers. He even made the acquaintance of a farm laborer, who described Merrick as a fascinating and well-educated man. In spite of all the kindnesses of Treves and others in his life, Merrick's condition gradually worsened. He became increasingly unable to live without assistance, and came to spend most days in bed with diminishing energy. He eventually passed away on April 11, 1890, at the age of 27. It was determined that he died of a dislocated neck. Treves mentioned that Merrick had always wanted to sleep like regular people, but could not due to the weight of his head potentially suffocating him. Treves concluded that Merrick had died from trying to sleep with his head lying down, or, as he later wrote, of the pathetic and hopeless desire to be like other people. After being autopsied, Merrick's skeleton was preserved and his remains buried in the City of London Cemetery. Speculation of what was truly the cause of Merrick's condition persists to this day. Frederick Treves went on to greater renown as a surgeon in the course of his career, receiving a knighthood as one of Queen Victoria's surgeons. He even saved the life of King Edward VII during a case of appendicitis. Treves also became a prominent and prolific author. He chronicled his remarkable relationship with Merrick in his book, The Elephant Man and Other Reminiscence. He died at the age of 70 in 1923. About Merrick, Treves wrote, As a specimen of humanity, Merrick was ignoble and repulsive. But the spirit of Merrick, if it could be seen in the form of the living, 
would assume the figure of an upstanding and heroic man, smooth-browed and clean of limb, and with eyes that flashed undaunted courage. The unlikely friendship between Frederick Shreves and Joseph Merrick has been immortalized in various plays, books, and films. Merrick himself remains widely known in popular culture as the Elephant Man, with his silk hood and hat remaining an indelible image in the cultural imagination. While it is easy to say that Merrick is remembered strictly for his terrible medical conditions, Merrick's life story no doubt endures today as a towering example of humanity at its best and its worst. Despite receiving horrendous treatment from those who saw him as nothing more than an animal, he also received the virtues of one who saw past the body and into the soul. Treves understood that Merrick deserved a life like any other, and made it his mission to make it possible. Thanks to Frederick Treves and many others, Merrick was able to say at the end of his life that he had truly experienced friendship, love, generosity, compassion, and kindness. Merrick often summed up his feelings toward himself with a quote from the Isaac Watts poem, False Greatness. "'Tis true my form is something odd, but blaming me is blaming God. Could I create myself anew, I would not fail in pleasing you. If I could reach from pole to pole, or grasp the ocean with a span, I would be measured by the soul, the mind's the standard of the man." This episode was written and recorded by Scott Einig and edited by Jamie Adams. This episode was originally featured in our Virtuous Duos collaboration with A Brother's Creed at the end of Season 2. If you enjoyed this episode, give us a rating and leave a review in the comments section. And don't forget to check out more Virtuous Men on our Instagram page at virtuous underscore men and give us a follow. Tune in next time for Minipod number 8, The Teamwork of Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay.